0: Before we start, I just wanted actually to um, talk to you about um, this exciting opportunity that um, one of our friends told us about, where you get to be your own your own boss. If you've ever um, been familiar with that, you get to work from home for like dollars an hour. Yeah, that sounds um, like a sweet all, gig. Yeah, all you have to do is uh, sell homemade um, COVID vaccines. <laughs> okay. Oh shit, we're live! Bear with our <laughs> fans. Go! Welcome to Bear Weather Fans, the only Chicago Bears podcast, period. You're joined with by me, Patrick, and my co-host, my partner in crime, Coach Bob. Coach Bob, how you doing? I'm uh, doing great. How are you doing, buddy? Doing well, and you're listening to the Bear Weather Fans podcast. Okay. Oh. Uh, love well, no that music. Have- <laughs> it's... It's among the best. Um, We've got a lot of fans, obviously, millions, uh, most of the U.S. population. Um, so they know the drill, but for those of you who are new listeners, um, I assume you're in a third world country of some kind, maybe you just recently discovered the internet connection. Um, the format of our show is we have a little introduction. We talk about the news, the kind of uh, stuff that's going on in the world of the Bears. Uh, we talk about uh, some context in a segment called This Week in Bears History. We talk about some things that happened this week in previous Bear seasons. Then we uh, have a new segment that I'm excited to talk to Bob about. Uh, We're going to have uh, the position battle, and we're going to wrap up with Going Deep, where we look uh, deep in the schedule and see how we're going to fare. So, Coach Bob, how are we doing?
1: Doing great. That all sounds good. I'm excited to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah, I am excited to... Say things and have you turn that into a smart piece of conversation.
1: Oh, um, I, I feel like you're adding all the uh, IQ to this. I just am giving you my little, uh, I don't know if you remember my hot take last week was that Khalil Mack will be good at football. So,
0: <laughs> Well, I mean, that's like your only major prediction. So in that case, you are probably going to bat a thousand. Um, so just retire your predictions. Episode one. Yeah, that's sealed it. it.
1: Yeah. Everything else, I'll I'll leave with like a definitely maybe, you know, like oh, I'm pretty right. sure that this has a chance of happening.
0: Right, like last year where I was like, oh yeah, Darnell Mooney is going to be the greatest Bears receiver that Bears have ever drafted in my lifetime, and then you're like, oh, you mean. Oh, you said if he stays healthy though and stays on the road. Yeah, well Yeah, true. And doesn't get traded and he and he gets a good quarterback and <laughs> I have a pile of asterisks, but if he hits all those Um Yeah, so it's oh, fantastic. Week... <laughs> There's news. Um of course we had preseason game week two against the Bills. We had Trubisky Revenge game. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, I I thought it
1: was uh I thought it was a, uh, you know, an interesting game. I obviously followed the storylines pretty well. One headline that I saw that I thought was so funny. Uh obviously, uh spoiler like fast forward here, but the headline was uh Luckily, coach Nagy gets to blame another loss on Mitchell Trubitsky. And I thought that was <laughs> so <couldn't> fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um and uh or maybe it was looks like, but yeah, it was it was good. Uh but Yeah, I thought, you know, talking about that game as a whole, um, I thought in terms of the Bills, I thought Mitch looked good. However, um, I thought he looked good at what he's good at. And again, not a hot take. Uh, he, He did, you know, little things well. He was pretty mobile. He, you know, moved the pocket and stuff. But like every good completion was a a short slant straight ahead of him. I don't even think I saw like a single out route that was completed. I, I seriously feel like if he rolled out to the right, he threw it straight up field at somebody coming across the field. If he was in the pocket, it was a slant straight up the middle of the field. Like he was not really stretching the field in many directions, and his receivers had separation. And he put it on the money, which I don't feel like he did all the time in Chicago, but. Uh, so so for that, I think he had a good game. But I also feel like, uh, kind of like we talked about last week, the game plan was really tailored to make it where he could be successful. And, uh, you know, had it been a regular season game, had they really been game planning for Mitchell Trubisky specifically, I think you can take away those uh, those routes and make this a very different game. Um, and, you know, on the bear side, I thought, uh, you know, I thought the, the the stat lines didn't really tell the story. I thought Andy Dalton actually played pretty well. Um, I also thought Justin Fields played, played pretty well, and I didn't think either of them had spectacular stat lines. Um, I thought Andy struggled a lot with like just receiver, receivers weren't open, and again, and I thought that, I thought Justin had the same thing. And when they're not open, it's tough to it's tough to do too too much. And like for, like a very simple thing, you know. I, I read a lot of things on Dalton this week that were like, ah, oh, well when he was in, they got smoked and it was like, yes, that's true. Um, you know, he was playing some of the higher, you know, whatever opponents on the other team he played without, I want to say his top running back like three wide receivers and tight end. So like he was out there, but the, all the starting position players weren't out there with him. And, uh, yeah, he, you know, like his, his, his biggest blemish was the interception where the guy falls at the top of his route, you know, like, (laughs) I. I I don't know. Like, it's really hard to say that that was, you know, potentially like that catastrophic of a throw from the quarterback or bad read or any of that Uh, receiver doesn't go down and it's maybe a big play. And it looks like he has 200 yards and, you know, one or two touchdowns as opposed to 140 and a touchdown and a pick. So um, just, yeah, I I thought both quarterbacks played well. I thought overall it was, uh, it, it, the score wasn't really indicative of what I saw. I was, I was, Not that disappointed with what I
0: saw, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. I'm actually... um, The biggest disappointment for me from that game was at how uh, lukewarm the um, hot takes were from different meatball fans around the Bears nation, where I was expecting so many people to either be like, like, we shouldn't have gotten rid of Trubisky, or like, you know, these guys are quitters, or something. um, And instead, everyone's reaction was basically... Um, a dumber version of what you're saying, where it's like, yeah, like we knew Trubisky was good at being mobile, at um, you know, the intermediate passing game when it's um, a kind of simplified read system, um, and we, yeah, it, it's there's not a lot of surprises there from anybody, especially for the Bills in the previous years who discovered like, okay, Josh Allen is a very athletic quarterback, and what can we get out of him to become an efficient passing game. And what they discovered was he's actually pretty good at intermediate passing game. So they tailored that entire offense to an intermediate passer who's also athletic. And lo and behold, then they got Mitchell Trubisky. So it's like, in some ways, he's in the perfect system, and uh, they are the perfect off. It's a perfect marriage for everybody. Absolutely. And, Super uh, talented
1: team, top to bottom. And then he walked yeah. into a position where it was tailored for him. I completely agree.
0: Yeah, and I'm not. I'm not really that worried at all. I don't think you are either about the defense um, sucking, like, against Trubisky. I mean, not like, no. Like, Mac played, like, a snap. Akeem Hicks, like, a thing just waved and, you know on his way to the bench. Completely. Like, um, yeah, no, no. And,
1: 28-0 start, not worried about that at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, and your point about, like, him not completing a single, like, deep pass or even, like, an out route. I was started to chart, I was like, oh, it's going to be great um, for the segment. I'm going to... Um, give a list of all of sean desai's defenses because we don't know a lot about sean desai he i know he has said he wants to kind of fill in um Vic fangio's shoes of where he left off um and then like after like seven snaps in a row of like they're just playing uh quarters like deep <laughs> like just like four deep zones with like a couple of people underneath It's like well this is a waste of time but so yeah they're yeah, he might get criticized for throwing all those short routes but like that is a thing to do when you're seeing quarters over and over. So um, it just, uh, I guess the only takeaway I can see from a Bears defense perspective is that for whatever reason, Sean Desai felt the best way to evaluate his cornerbacks was to put them in quor- or quarters coverage for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, I I don't know much about him. I'm sure you know more than I do, but they seem to have high praises for him. I don't know if that's all smoke that they're blowing up all the, you know, Bears fans, assholes or whatever, but i i i gotta <laughs> i gotta believe that you know with as high as it, the players are on him, like I feel like I'm hearing like players be yeah. like, this guy's fun to play for, and and I think his whole thing right now, not that this isn't everybody everybody on you know defensive coordinator position's goal, but like let's get back to turnovers, and I gotta believe like soft coverage, you know, is not the the me- the method for creating turnovers, um, so. I think I. I also think there is something to like. They're not showing all their cards in the preseason against the Bills.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's going to be tough in general to match the turnovers of the 2018 legacies. That's huge expectations, and you're missing Kyle Fuller. But I do mm-hmm. love that he's doing things like bringing out the turnover bucket and really trying to make it a point of emphasis. And like, I've heard so many defenders and uh like beat writers say like yeah the defense is like they're having fun they're playing with swag i have no idea how that will translate to an actual game but i'm happy for them. seems like good summer camp
1: yeah i, I gotta believe that like with as much talent as they have on defense good vibes are a good thing like i think i think it will translate i could be cer i certainly could be wrong but i think it'll translate
0: yeah for sure um, man, we have gone so far, and we have not even talked about Justin Fields hardly at all yet. This is a record for it us. It is. It is. Um, is there anything you want to say?
1: Um, yeah, I would just say I, I, again. I think like he, you know, it, it is funny. I feel like I read a lot this week, and it was um, look how badly the Bears got beat with Dalton in, and look at how they won. Yeah. I think it was like nine to seven with justin fields in as if that was like a huge thing when the game is already <laughs> when the game is already over um but okay to that, <laughs> interrupt you for okay yeah, go ahead
0: just like do you remember in uh 2014 where uh mark tressman benched cutler on his way to the first like 4,000 yard season of like bears history um for yes. like for no reason just to prove that his offense could work with a different qb and then uh Yes, he got benched for like Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clausen like put up like eight points. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, maybe you just suck, Mark. I'm so sorry. Like I didn't mean for you to find out this way, but hey, can but anyway, I, Sorry, I, he's, he's
1: still got a job. I feel like Mark Trestman is like really? coaching in the CFL or something right now. It's crazy. Oh, I could
0: see yeah, that. But I yeah. just mean,
1: even still, like, how does he still get hired?
0: <laughs> right, like. He should be fired from flipping burgers. They should be like, "You know what? Like you don't have the organization. You keep on trying to make it too complicated." You know, like
1: Absolutely. Um, and by the way, <laughs> the the names of the teams in the CFL are just fantastic.
0: <laughs> I'm so Oh, please hit me with some Okay, seven. let
1: me let me see this. So, let me see where he's at right now. Cool cool. Okay, so he's currently the coach of uh Wait, maybe that's wrong. This is a bad site. I, I got to get come back to it. I don't want to... Yeah. No
0: worries. One, one weird piece of trivia I'll give you while we're looking that up is um, the weird connection is that uh, we know a certain guy named Walter Payton, if that rings a bell for anybody. Yeah, I think but, I've heard um, of him. Okay, yeah, yeah, he's got an award or something. But uh, Walter Payton's son, Jarrett Payton, played for Mark Tressman in the CFL. <laughs> I like... I don't really know what to do with that information, but I have it, and now you do too.
1: Oh, that that is that is a nice little tidbit there. And so yeah. he, you know what? I I could be wrong on this. I, I am. So it's not the CFL; it's the XFL that has the crazy team names. So he is oh, he yes. is an XFL coach right now, not the <laughs> CFL. That's too that's too <laughs> that's too rich for his blood. He is in charge of the Tampa Bay Vipers, but.
0: Tampa Bay Vipers. Yes, yeah. Yes. Man, there's something I don't know. I just love Florida for so many reasons. This is such a tangent, but like so many teams choose to celebrate their regional greatness with their team names. Like originally, uh, New Orleans had their like their Jazz that went to Utah, but it's like like what's our regional music? Let's make that thing. Let's make uh, like Seattle Seahawks. That's a cool thing. In Florida, without Without ever deviating, always names it after some horrible catastrophe or like the worst part. It's like I don't know. It's amazing. It's always like the hurricanes or like yeah, like yeah. the poisonous snakes. Yeah, like, that sounds like really? Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so the methamphetamine problem. Yeah. So you're, on, here's guys. some of the some of these XFL
1: teams. So you got the the St. Louis Battle Hawks. Okay. You've got yes. the Seattle Dragons. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites is the Houston Roughnecks.
0: Yes. Oh my god. So first of all, yeah, every team should be some form of dragon. It should be the Chicago Bear Dragons. Um yeah, yeah, be, great. Yeah. Like I, everything should be dragons. Um yep. okay. <laughs> so that was Sorry. great. Yeah. Uh, that- <laughs> We were talking about Justin Fields. Um, I'll just say, again, to your point of Trubisky like, playing well, but it's like, yeah, he did the things well that we know he can do well. Um, and I know I talked about last week of going back and watching his preseason game um, the first week, and it was exactly what you're saying. Like He's moving out of the pocket, making half-field, bootlegs, um, kind of like play-action reads, very simplified stuff. And throwing intermediate passes on slants. And, like, he's, hey, he's doing great at that. And I think um, his ability to be accurate on that kind of stuff is actually great. But that is where it ends. Um, and so, yeah. and So, seeing that compared to Justin Fields this week, I thought he did such an impressive job of, like, changing coverages at the line, sliding protections, um, like, learning... As the game went on, like I'm sure we'll talk about that giant fucking hit he took. Yes, I was just gonna say, yeah,
1: like you know the one. And I don't know as well as you know some of these people that are watching and commenting on the game, but uh, a lot of people that I heard and things that I read said that that um, that that hit that he took was on him, not on the line. Like basically, he slid the the blocking over and should have known that somebody was coming free on the right. He should have thrown a quick slant to the right behind the defender, looked the wrong way, and got. I, I thought he died. I cannot believe that hit, that hit he took.
0: And I thought it was going to be like a Pez dispenser where yes. the head just pops. Oh up. my gosh! Oh
1: my gosh. And then, uh, yeah. So that was um, that one was tough. And but to your point, learning, he, they said like three more times he he like had the same situation and did throw over the blitz and like. Right then and there, he figured it out, and he, like, solved that problem. So even though he yeah. lost his uh, head for a second, like, literally, first of all, he popped up like a man, and I cannot believe how he just seemed to have no fear. And, and then like, yeah. also, after getting popped like that, you know, you, like, you talk about, like, people getting gun-shy, and you talk about, well, Justin Fields can't play game one because he's going to die against the Rams, which maybe that's true for whatever quarterback you put out there. But right. he stood in the pocket for a few throws that impressed me so much. Like where he stood down hits and then delivered balls on the money, and even if they were dropped, they were on the money, and they were you know that goes yeah. down as an incompletion or whatever. But I saw it and I was like, that was impressive. Um, yes. So, yeah, he yeah he he didn't disappoint again. I was very very impressed.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. I. So, does concussion protocol, is that just not a thing anymore? Is it not applicable to like sturdy rookies? Is that only for like. <laughs> I don't
1: believe it's just like depending on if it's, yeah, you know, if they're 40, it's like, you know, they get touched in this con- concussion protocol. So that's just Tom Brady. Um, and like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what they look for. Like, do they look to see what they look like after they got hit, if they stumble, whatever? I would have had to believe that that warranted concussion protocol. Just based on helmet-to-helmet, helmet helmet flew off. Absolutely, like, I think in the football game they call it ear hold. Like, he's not looking, and just the helmet takes him off. Boom. And, yeah, I I mean, granted, like, the way he handled himself after that, it didn't seem like he got a concussion because he seemed fine. But I still think they should have taken him off for a play and evaluated him. I mean, it is a preseason game. What are we doing here? Why are you not right. doing that? Why are you not saying he has to come off the field? He has to get checked out. Like, what if they were wrong? I, we're talking about a preseason game and a 30-point difference. Now, I know health comes first and none of that should matter, but, like, let's be honest, this is a preseason game that's like a blowout that nobody cares about. Take him off the field and check him <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> so, all right, this is... Um, I'm going to lead into a game that I want to play. I'm not sure... I'm a, I, I intend to do it later, but I'm, I'm going to do it now. Um, so, first... Can you explain why why would we play Andy Dalton as opposed to Justin Fields? What's like the only benefit there?
1: I feel like you know, and the things I'm hearing, and I I can kind of buy two things. So I'll give you two, and you said only, so one of these has to be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But but, uh, one that uh, whatever quarterback rolls out on week one will be leaving in a body bag because of the LA defense and the current arrangement of the Bears O line. So, I honestly don't think you can even draw up a more mismatched D line O line for week one. Uh, you're talking about an offensive line in the Bears that is absolutely decimated by injuries. And let's be honest, even if it wasn't, it's still shaky. Like, not, I mean, you're talking about like if people are healthy, there's still like, there's not a bunch, there's not like littered with all pros that happen to be out. And like, I'm not saying they can't get better, but you got some young guys on there. You get like, I don't know. I mean, they're trying to like treat a fifth round rookie like he's going to be like the answer at tackle. Um, That's, (laughs) that's a little scary when on the other side is like one of the greatest football players that's ever played, certainly in the conversation of greatest defender of all time in that conversation. I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying he's in the conversation I think it's hard to argue he's not in the top five in Aaron Donald, And uh, you just say, if you're throwing Justin Fields out there, he's just going to get murdered by these guys. Uh, so I'd say that's one. The only other thing that I've heard, and I can kind of I can buy a little, but I don't know how much I love it, is uh, there's the people out there that are saying, well, if you look at who are the best quarterbacks in the NFL today, I think most people, if you had to choose a one- two. I'll just ask you, if you had to choose a 1-2 in the NFL today, who are your 1-2 quarterbacks today, right now?
0: I think it would have to be Mahomes and uh, the Jeopardy guy.
1: Yes, no, I agree, and I don't want to say his name either. But if, if we had to sure. go 1-2 in the NFL today, not careers, right, it's probably those mm. two. And their development was sitting behind veterans and learning the game and not playing in the beginning of their careers. And, you know, both those guys, when they did come out, and finally play like they were incredible their first seasons because they weren't rookies that didn't know what was going on. They came out and they were good. I mean, I want to say that Mahomes was like incredible that year. was, he an MVP that year or the next year. Like it was that fast. It was like year two of him starting yeah, or something like that. Or was it his first year? It was second. I don't know. But like
0: a uh, second year, yeah, you're right. Like
1: it's crazy. Like just that quick. He was, and by the way, like a well-deserving MVP, not like uh ah, he was okay. No, it was like, it was insane. And he was incredible yeah. as first year, same with both those guys. So like, you know, if they're saying Justin Fields is the 15-year franchise quarterback answer, don't screw it up. Let's model it after this, you know, and you could say the guy that was on Jeopardy, that was a while ago, and he was backing up Brett Favre. Okay. But with Mahomes... The argument's going to be what he was backing up Alex Smith, and like he wasn't ready. But the time, like when he came out and actually played, he was absolutely incredible. Like you yeah. could tell me he was wasn't ready. Yeah, like
0: right, right. It, it's, to back up your point, so the, the year he did play 2018, he had 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. Um, which is the second player ever to do it. And he did in his first year starting. So so
1: to say, Oh no, he wasn't ready the year before. No, he was ready. Like clearly he was ready (laughs) and they didn't play him, you know, like, so it's one of those where like, you know, when it's happening, you maybe don't know. uh, But hindsight, Mm -hmm. you look at it and go, there's no way he was not ready to play in that first season. They clearly made a decision for developmental reasons. And I feel like that's what the bears were leaning on. um, But, yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough because like I feel like Nagy and you know some people are kind of potentially on the hot seat. So it's it's weird because you also kind of want to put the best guys out there and win. So it's it's a tough dichotomy there. Which one of those two or a different answer were you thinking I was gonna go with?
0: No, I was definitely thinking really both of them. But the one I was getting at was the first one of. Um, Like, yeah, you have a young quarterback who is still working on, like, reading blitzes, setting protections, all that stuff. And if he is the future of your franchise, you don't want him to wind up in a body bag by the end of the quarter, uh, especially against Aaron Donald. So you put out – So actually, this is kind of fun, but – so the term whipping boy, do you know what that is? I do. (laughs) So I, like, looked this up, the history behind the whipping boy. And it's, like, a very real thing. I thought it was just, like, a saying. But there was a point where, um, in royalty, they'd have, like, a prince or whatever who was, like, so highly touted that you were not allowed to touch him. Um, So if he did something wrong, they would have a friend who, like, got raised up with him, and they'd just beat the shit out of this friend (laughs) as, like, (laughs) as a placeholder. Like, look at this. And that, to me, is Andy Dalton. It's just 100%, like, not just uh, figurative, but, like, actual, like, you are going out there for the sins so that (laughs) Justin Fields may be saved. But, yeah, so... I'm with you on that first point. That the reason you're starting Andy Dalton is so that Justin Fields can be protected, so you don't get him injured. So that when he does play, can be behind uh, you know healthy line. He with the cohes- cohesion, all that stuff. So with that point being said, that you the only we're one of the only two reasons you're not playing Justin Fields is because you can't tolerate putting him behind a mismatched line. Um, that second preseason game, how many total NFL starts did his offensive line have in front of him? Justin Fields? Justin Fields, yes sir. So we're not starting him because, largely because we don't want to put him in front of a mismatched offensive line.
1: Mm-hmm. So w- there was a question in there, was it how many starts from the O-line?
0: Yeah, so of course you have five people on the offensive line of uh, varying varying experience. Um I don't know. Is it like 16? <laughs> it is one total no, start. No, shut up. His entire, entire offensive line. <laughs> I, g- I gave it, I gave it one
1: season between five guys. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> one start. Isn't
0: that incredible? Oh, my God. And Yeah, you made a point earlier about, um, like, the Bears hanging their left tackle hopes. One of the most important positions in football on, like, a guy who's now, I think, in, like, the surgery ward and um, a fifth-round pick. And, um, and that fifth-round pick has one total start at left tackle in his career. <laughs> so, and uh, Jenkins played right tackle. So it's just like, it's so incredible. I love it so much. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is that is impressive.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, the O-line really has instilled confidence. You, you know what? It's crazy, and there's a lot of ifs and buts and whatever. But if we, if we had a, a sorted-out O-line, I would feel so good about this team right now
0: i like a lot
1: about it except for i like everything about it pretty much except for the (laughs) o-line
0: but yeah i think yeah we'll get down to the position battle i think i mostly agree with you um i guess corners are a little little
1: weak for me too but
0: yeah yeah we can get into the uh the position battle here we've talked a little bit about the uh the news this week um some other just fun little tidbits was Kevin White uh, played with the Saints this week, so it's fun to see a uh, ex Bear get out there. Um, he had like three drops. Um, <laughs> played in the fourth exactly quarter. you're right. So, but man, I like him so much. I wish you were good. It's like it's kind of like Trubisky. Like you're such a good guy, man. I wish you were good. Oh,
1: when Trubisky rolled up on that first day in like his Camry or whatever it was, I was like, I was like, I'm gonna love you forever. And then he wasn't as good as he was supposed to be and I was like, you know what, I'm I'm shallow, you're dead to me. I'm I'm way Fair. more flimsy yeah. than you are, Patrick. I can't I can't stay true for as long as you did.
0: <laughs> um, I think he'd be right to be where you're at. So <laughs> Yeah, okay. So talking about the news, he had the Trubisky Revenge game, he had a fun interview with part of my take where he talked about winning the uh NVP, uh, Nickelodeon's most valuable player against the Saints. Um, he still carried a little trophy around with them. It was, it was adorable. He probably saw that. Um, let's get into some context, talking about this day in Bears history. So, going back a little bit. Uh, after preseason game two of 2019, the biggest narrative was the kicker battle between Eddie Pinheiro and Elliot Fry. Uh, neither of which end up being our, our kicker. So yeah. spoilers. <laughs> so that was that was the talk of the offseason. Um twenty eighteen, uh, after week two, so um Trubisky crushed against the Broncos week one. Actually this is kind of fun context. So I want to play to you the instant reaction seeing Mitch Trubisky like, hey, we drafted a high quarterback, um, and him doing well in the preseason because I think the reactions, the impulses feel very similar to um, what it feels like now, although I would argue that these situations are quite a bit different. Um, so, with that in mind, here's Hogan Johns from 2017, uh, Trubisky's rookie season.
1: We, we got quarterback. quarterback controversy. You don't think too it's early? too early? To say that. Ah, it's never too early. Like, Mike Glennon was bad, really bad, awfully bad. Mitch Trubisky, outstanding what 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 where would you use I would I would say it was outstanding I think you got to put it in proper context that this is a preseason game that the Broncos were not scheming against him really uh that they there were backups up, out there and that stuff does matter but it was still a step up in competition it was faster than he played it in college and he excelled tonight so what
0: <laughs> so there we have it that was the they get more more excited as it goes on, but I just uh, I think it's funny to look back on because they're not wrong, but um, I th- they're like you know the tempered enthusiasm ended up being exactly like hey he he did do well against this level of competition in this scheme and um, it didn't mean a lot more, but it did mean he did good in that thing.
1: Yeah, no, that boy, that sure does feel familiar. I would say you know we kind of got to live through that not too long ago though. And now I feel like even more casual fans are looking with a more critical eye now, like we've talked about, like not just, did you look good on your slants with no scheme? Like, did you show the whole arsenal? Did you do more? Like, even, even if it was a drop, even if it was whatever, you know, did you show me that you could do more than roll out and throw a slant? Um, because that can get taken away. Um, and Justin Fields in two preseason games and not that much action in at this level has shown he can throw over the top. He can, he can run on man. He can progress through reads. Like he's shown a lot with, I would say what doesn't look overwhelming on the like box score.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Especially. Yeah. When you're watching, like you said, like, that passes on the money and then this like third string receiver who probably won't make the team like bounces off his hands. Like, well but yeah, to your point, like fans are getting with a more critical eye watching the preseason. I think that stuff is I think the context is there. So um yeah, that was Trubisky's rookie year twenty seventeen, uh twenty eighteen preseason um second after it's the preseason week two was against the broncos this is the first real appearance of trey burden uh trubisky with his first appearance in Nagy's offense uh the first week was um just chase daniel pretty much any of the starters this was the first time we saw Nagy's offense and uh we loved it although um trubisky opened it up with fumbling a snap um cody parkey missed a field goal they had all kinds of penalties um but the playbook looked awesome. It was all this like motion, pre-snap stuff. Uh, lots of moving pockets and screens to Tariq. Um, and in that game, uh, Case Keenum and the Broncos tore up the Bears. Um, they put 20 points up on the first half. And uh, again, I was talking about, like I'm not really worried at all about the Bills um, tearing up a Bears defense whose starters played for like three snaps. But yeah, so Case Keenum and the Broncos tore up the Bears defense. Uh, if you go by Advanced Analytics DVOA... Um, which for those of you who don't know DVOA is a uh, defense uh, adjusted value over average it's just an advanced analytics uh, expression for trying to quantify a lot of different things in um in defense but uh the bears 2018 defense that year ended up being not just the highest DVOA of that year but like the highest in almost a decade next to only the 2012 bears defense in DVOA so it was obst- outrageously good those 20 points didn't mean anything and uh, the Broncos would have a bottom 10 offense that year.
1: Yeah, Case Keenum doesn't instill a whole lot of confidence.
0: No. No, no, he doesn't. But um, God bless him for trying. Uh, yes. So that was uh, preseason week two of 2018. Also, Roquan Smith signed his contract that week. 2017 preseason, we talked about. Let's go to 2013 preseason. That was also a notable one because um, it had something that makes me very nervous Which was, so recently, um, Khalil Mack was asked about Sean Desai. And this is the most, it's like a really uh, complimentary thing he said that makes me super nervous, which is he called Sean Desai a genius. And he's like, the stuff he comes up with is, like, you're wondering how you came up with that. Which, um, like, is objectively a compliment, but the only time I've ever heard that in football, it's with somebody who ends up way over complicating things. <laughs> um and so I'd bring this up because this week in Bears History. Almost to the day, um Martellus Bennett said the same thing about Mark Trussman. Um so this is an article from uh Oh no week two <laughs> preseason week two, twenty thirteen. Martellus Bennett says, He's a genius, Bennett said Trussman. A lot of times when you're around really, really smart people, you don't really understand them. <laughs> Uh, he says oh he and God. Trestman are the only two people who understand each other. <laughs> I always say Coach Trestman reminds me of Willy Wonka, not the Johnny Depp one. The Johnny, the Johnny Depp one was really cool, but the one before that, the 1943 version, which uh, <laughs> I don't know what that means. But <laughs> oh my gosh! And, man, you ruined it. Yeah, you, you tempered my enthusiasm <laughs> for Sean. And we, would you say a man Aggie overcomplicates things?
1: Um, I, I would, and I. I think that like I completely hear you with what you, what your point was cuz I keep hearing how bright they are and all this stuff. Um and I do believe that. I think they are bright guys and I feel like, you know, they talked about with Trebitsky and stuff like they made it too complicated. But not just like a, you know, a knock on Trebitsky. I'm not trying to call him stupid. Uh, I firmly believe that if you as an athlete are thinking you're a bad version of yourself. You have to just be doing, you have to just be an athlete and that's how you're good. And I'm okay. I would prefer a coach that's really smart. Right. And actually here, this is going to be like a kind of weird analogy, but hear me out through this one. I've listened to a bunch of sprint coaches speak. Okay. Like, you know, as I'm trying to learn how to become a sprint coach and going to different clinics and all these things. Um, and it's funny because it applies to the guy that we were going to talk about later, um, Chris Corfus, the guy that worked with David Montgomery, who's really good. Like, don't get me wrong, he's really good. He knows, uh, you know, I'll use the phrase I've heard before. He knows more about sprinting and sprint mechanics than, uh, you know, than I ever could, and he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. That's how good he is. But he's at a level, even though it's really good, where it's still complicated. Like when he tells me something, it's complicated. There's a level above that where you understand it so well that it actually becomes simple. And it sounds simple. And so I've listened to Chris Corfist, who, for what it's worth, is a a high school track coach. Like he's not this, you know, he, he, he is very, very good, but he's a high school track coach just like I am. He's much better than I am, but he's a high school track coach. And he's working with guys like David Montgomery. So, like, he's got that tier of, like, you know, echelon to what he's doing. But I listened to the guy who coached um, the Olympic silver medalist in the last Olympics and the guy who's coached, like, world champions in the 100-meter dash. And it was incredible because when he talked about coaching his sprinters, and he fielded questions from the audience every single answer was simple and every single thing that he said was like oh yeah that's that's pretty obvious and because he, he's so good at what he does and he has such a well-rounded understanding of sprint mechanics and everything that like he could see through questions and answer them targeted like he almost could answer the question you were intending to ask instead of the one you actually asked cuz you don't really know what you're doing where Chris Corfist would show you he knows a lot and then it gets complicated. Mm. And I'm saying like, I'm afraid that Sean or Nagy, they're really smart. They are really good football minds, but they're not like Eddie Bill Belichick level. Like Belichick knows everything also, but he translates it down to it's so simple for the guys he coaches because they go out and they just do. And he does all the work behind the scenes. And he doesn't have yeah. to tell them. He doesn't have to prove to them he's smart. That's how good he is, right? He like they know he's smart, but like he just tells them what to do. And you know everybody has their own job, and they don't need to know what he does. Like I feel like sometimes like a guy like Sean or a guy like Matt who's trying to make a name for themselves, um, they feel like they have to show you how much they know. And now guys start overthinking it, and they're and they're just not quite at that level, like you're talking about, where you're the genius that's so good. It's simple, um, and I, I don't know if that made sense, but I feel like I've experienced that a few times in in track. I've experienced it in in my teaching, um, and I feel like that might be the case. And you're 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 making me feel like that might be it. And I, I agree, that's a that's a little red flag for me.
0: <laughs> no, that that does totally make sense, and uh, it's a, that that same kind of like unconscious competence or whatever, um, but. Yeah, and I I don't know like it, it's again it's early we don't know what it's all gonna wind up I, I just noticed just a pattern of especially Nagy's offense um it's like so many times they get they have uh, problems just getting lined up and it's like week fourteen in year three and they like don't know where to line up and it's like this is way too complicated if you have a team of people who've been playing this game their entire lives. Who've been doing this system for three years, full time jobs, and they don't know like this stuff. It's like something's—it's too complicated, man. And um, so yeah, I, I showed you yeah, the Mark Tressman one about Martellus Bennett. Um, also, uh, there's a quote from James Daniels, uh, twenty his rookie year, saying um, uh, he ref, yeah first in Nagy, um, and Nagy and his marked up wall and says it represents his mad genius. Um, there, it just seems like a weird trend that. Maybe it's nothing, but I just think it's weird.
1: I hear you. Um, yeah. yeah, I uh didn't really think about it that way.
0: Oh worries. So that's uh see so that back in twenty thirteen. Uh two thousand nine preseason week two. That was the first preseason of Jake Cutler. Uh and he threw two picks. Um, which this is gonna shock you, but I think he threw more after that in his career. Um <laughs> let's see, he checked one he chucked one up to Hester just like just not a prayer. Um had one just bounce off Johnny Knox. Um and my personal favorite was there's was a Devin Aroma Shadu play in week two of the two thousand nine preseason. And he looked awesome, immediately got injured, and he would come back in like week twelve to like save that season, basically. So that's yeah. kind of fun little tidbit. Um, yeah, and that was pretty much all the week two preseasons of Bears history.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. I, I remember when Devin Hester was supposed
0: to become a elite receiver. <laughs> Dude, any? <he, laughs> I feel so bad for him because like he's literally the best to ever do his thing. But like, there are times where it's like, man, <laughs> oh, I, know. <laughs> like you I know you couldn't wrestle slant. I know how. Like he, you're right. Like I, I've actually made
1: the claim to people around, uh, you know me that have talked about like Hall of Fame type stuff. And they're like, well, you can't put mm-hmm. a kick returner in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, you can put the best one of all time in the Hall of Fame. Right. Um, like uh,
0: Patrick Manley. Like, yeah. he, I don't care if he's a long snapper, yeah. he's the best right, one. Right. To if do you're it. the like, best
1: you- one of all time at your position, what do you mean you're not in the Hall of Fame? We're going to put we're gonna put eight current quarterbacks in the Hall of Fame. Like, we're not going to put the best returner in the history of the game in the Hall of Fame? I I, I don't understand that at all.
0: Right. I, I 100% agree. Um yeah man. So that's pretty much uh bears preseason week two history through the books um there's another segment that I'm actually I'm very excited about for you um, so this one, first of all, I wanna talk to the fans a little bit about meatball bears fans so they don't know like if you listen to radio a lot, you know to your like deep in your bones, you know who these people are, but maybe. If you're a more casual fan or don't live in the Chicago area and aren't bombarded with, like, calling radio 24 hours a day, you're not as familiar with um, meatball fans. But um, so Bears meatball fans are the kind of like the OK Boomer meme of uh, Bears fans, where every single problem and Bobby and I have talked about this before, but it's like every single problem can be solved with more gumption and being tougher. And uh, grinding down and doing it, and if you can't get it done, it's because you're soft. And uh, damn it, these kids have it too easy these days. And uh, you know, just things like uh, you know, dink and dunk offenses—they're they're for wusses, and you gotta smash them in the mouth and all that stuff. And uh, it's great—I love them so much. It's—it uh, seems impossible that in the modern NFL, you would have people calling into radio saying like. They just saw Patrick Mahomes uh, in a Super Bowl and said that the they need to stop dinking and dunking, but it happens, and I I have heard these calls. <laughs> I hear you. Um, I hear you. And it's crazy. so I want. <laughs> so I think we're going to talk more about uh, meatball fans in the future because they're one of my favorite parts of Bears ex- the Bears experience. But there's a particular person that exists um, called Ed Bradovich, and he. Is like the captain planet of just old grumpy meatball bears fans, where it's like, like our power combined. It's like, yeah, power of stubbornness, anger, yelling, and they just whoosh, combine, and then it's like, I'm Ed Obradovich, and I hate you. And like, that's it's him and he. Are you familiar with Ed Obradovich's like career? Uh, Or no, I, I so am much?
1: not. I am not. No but i so, i can picture him based on my dad, what you just went through
0: yeah it's like um it's typical like snl super fan if they were actively having an aneurysm that lasted like 25 years and they <laughs> was just yelling um, it's incredible i love him so much and he so for, for those of you who aren't aware ed obradovich is a man who um grew up in chicago He played football at University of Illinois, then he immediately went and played for Chicago Bears, and then I think the second he retired, joined Bears Broadcast Radio. So he has subsisted off of nothing but Illinois and specifically Chicago football, like basically every second of his life. I don't think he eats anymore. I think he just absorbs football and converts it into yelling, and that is his existence. And it's so incredible uh, so what I want to introduce you to Bob today, um, we had the Bear Weather fan interns, the robotics department specifically of the intern group. I know yeah. um, we, we have a lot, lot of interns. Yeah. 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 It happens all the time. Stuff gets slipping through the cracks. But check back up. This project is ready. So we spent uh, $8.6 million. Just it happens. Um, R&D. On this Edo O'Bradovich oh, I'm sorry. R&D. Yeah, this is all (laughs) R&D. It's like Boston Dynamics, but more effective, Yeah, I want to say. So this, I'm so excited to introduce this to you. This is the Ed Obradovich Bareweather Fans Android. That 98% accurate simulation of Ed Obradovich at any given time. So I'm just going to boot him up now, see how he goes. Um, Feel free to talk to him, see how, how he handles it. Ed, what do you got?
1: Let me tell you something. Between Pace and Nagy, guys, you cannot fix stupid, and those are stupid people. God, it's just great. <laughs> um. Wait, so so, so this Pace is, and Nagy are stupid. We just got to tell how he, they're geniuses.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's both too complicated and too stupid at the same time. Okay, uh, and that is Ed's his main goal to share with the world and has been since the moment they got hired. And now we have a robot to simulate him. So whenever we need an Ed O'Bravich quote, uh, we can just press the button and we'll have one. So, um, Ed, what do you think about uh, mushrooms on pizza? Huh? And guess, and guess what? The mushrooms keep kicking our butt. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so that's, that's more Ed Brent. So it's up to you. I thought this is a present to you. I know it's an early birthday present, uh, we yeah, can either you. name this. Yeah, anytime. Um we can so it is Ed O'Bravich OB. Uh we can call the OB bot, we can call the o- Ed uh Obrado bot. Uh, you can have time to think about this because I know it's a big commitment.
1: Yeah, we m- we might have to come back to that next week. You know, I got to make a pro con list.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean uh uh Edo Bradlebot, OB, do you mind if I mind if I call you one of those? Is that what do you think about Obi Bot? They're keeping that full. That absolute full
1: Okay. Well <laughs> By the way, I love OB-Bot. That was.
0: <laughs> he's I mean I think he's gonna fit right in. Um
1: Yeah, agreed, agreed.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, <laughs> uh so anytime you want to boot him up just let me know um, i will i will he's gonna Thank be you. here in the Bear Weather fan studio um anyway <laughs> let's move on a little bit <laughs> oh, we have a couple i, might, I might have here, to because i
1: have a i have a meatball story ish thing that compares to running when we get there so just remind me
0: oh okay yes i'm really excited um So, yeah, the one other thing I was going to mention before we got into the position battles is uh, a new segment that I like to try out called the Bearweather Fan Awards. Um, You know what? Let's go ahead and uh, make this a segment. Bearweather Fan Awards. These are the game awards for each week. Uh, This week, there are actually two. Uh, One that I was excited about was the uh, Charles Tillman Award for having babies during NFL season. This was uh, awarded originally, obviously, to Charles Tillman in 2012 when his uh, wife was like going to have a baby during a game, and he like was like debating whether or not to go to the game or not. <laughs> and
1: um, That's dedication. I think
0: it's so great. And yeah, he ended up not having a scheduling conflict. I think she gave birth like the day before game. But just the fact that he was considering. Uh, leaving his wife in like a, um, on the delivery room table, to be like I gotta go kick some balls, huh? is incredible to me. It's so Bears. I can I completely
1: it. relate. Don't tell yeah.
0: me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this award is awarded to Rodney Adams. Are you familiar with this story? I am not. So Rodney Adams. He is kind of. He's not a big name. Obviously, he's new to the mm-hmm. Bears. Um and he had a or his wife I guess had a baby the night before the preseason game so he is the guy who caught the uh, the touchdown bomb and mm-hmm. his wife had given birth like nine hours earlier and so he had slept like you and I have both slept on that terrible cot in the delivery room that is like actually a folding chair absolutely um, and he slept on that mm-hmm. were you did you feel ready to catch an NFL touchdown pass after that night.
1: I think we talked about this the other day when we were talking about how um, what's-his-face is uh 417 years old, going to play left tackle, Peters. Um, and uh, all it takes <laughs> for me to get injured is uh, laying on a bed the wrong way. But yeah, there is no way that I don't get up off that bed without needing actual attention from the nurses because I'm in so much pain. There's no chance. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And by the way, wasn't that the... Like, caught it off the helmet, touchdown. I mean, that thing, that was a beautiful catch.
0: That was so gnarly, man. Yeah, that was awesome. So, yeah, that was incredible. I agree that, um, yeah, I've also been in the same situation as you. I felt like I was dying from one night on that thing. I drove home the next day and felt like I wasn't safe driving home. And uh, he is, yeah, like you said, catching stuff off his helmet, evading NFL defenders, like running... Just that one run 80 yards would be enough to probably finish me off on the spot. Absolutely. Um, so that's such Bears. I, I adore it. Um, the other game award I want to talk about before we go on to the position battle. This is the Bearweather Fan Game Award for but the Martellus Bennett Award for Distinguished Stupidity in Camp Fighting. Um, and this is... <laughs> This is uh, in memorial of the 2000, I think it's 2014 season. Make sure I have this right here. When uh, Martellus Bennett, they had just drafted Kyle Fuller. He was spent a first round pick on him. He's like the blue chip player. He's like the player to watch out for in camp. And then Martellus Bennett decided he didn't like the way that he was playing, and uh, picked him up and threw him face first into the ground. Uh, because that was the kind of thing you did when Mark Tressman was your coach. And it was totally fine. Nothing ever came of it. Uh, that was one in a long line of things that Mark Trestman players almost murdered somebody. And Mark was like, ah, you, you can be captain. Um, so that, that just want to spend the moment to uh, just really consider that and just love it dearly.
1: Uh, quick, Quick note on that. You said first round pick Kyle Fuller. Yes, sir. Do you remember who the Bears were planning on taking with that pick.
0: Oh, no. Uh, so that would have been 2014. Mm-hmm. Was that Aaron Donald? Or it he was.
1: Every <laughs> single mock draft <laughs> had the Bears getting Aaron Donald with that pick, and he went one pick before, and then we got <laughs> Kyle Fuller, who was fine.
0: Because we were still in the 4-3. Oh, my God. That's so terrible. Mm-hmm. I hate that so much. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean... Like, wow, uh, I had yeah. forgotten. <laughs> and
1: everybody was like, yeah, that's who the Bears are going with. Like, for sure, they're taking him. And yep, one pick prior, he was gone. I was like, oh, no. Sorry. <laughs> so so that's the award. That's the award. Who yes, got the award this that week? That is
0: the award. Um, yes, that award goes to um, Adam Shaheen. And that happens <laughs> because he picked a fight with Khalil Mack. Uh, the man worthy of like three first round picks and who, uh, is the toughest mofo in the toughest position, uh, in all of sports. And Adam Shaheen is a small school, weird Frankenstein monster who just thought he'd try and pick a fight with Khalil Mack, uh, who hits people for a living and it did not go well for him. Oh my God. So yeah, that's pretty great. Uh and Khalil Mack's quote the Bears beat writer's like hey like I saw you got in a fight with Am Shaheen like you guys okay and Khalil Mack was like oh yeah I was just having fun that's how I have fun like <laughs> <laughs> you're so perfect he is never awesome. changed Khalil
1: oh my <laughs> he's god so he's great. so good <laughs> what if and I know so we couldn't it. afford it but what if we had Aaron Donald and Khalil Mack sorry oh, go ahead
0: man. yeah <laughs> No, no, you're fine. It's um yeah, it's one of those things where like I don't like going back over drafts to be like what if because uh you never know how a player would turn down a different system and uh I like enjoying the players we have, but I agree that that would have been incredible. So, without further ado, I'm going to play for you a interview of Martellus Bennett a few years later um after he left the Bears. In regards to, hey, uh, you picked a fight with their, like, number one prospect that year, and you picked him up and piled drove him to the ground face first. Uh, what do you think about that? And uh, this is what's his response. Gets
1: taken down by rookie Kyle Fuller. A it jumps up and then body slams Fuller.
0: Kyle grabbed me by my face mask and he, like, tried to hurt my neck or whatever. So I got up. I calmly
1: walked to him, I picked him up by his neck and I slammed him and I told him I could be punching you right now, but I don't want to. And then I let him go. And that was it. The and then Brandon Marshall was talking and then Brandon Marshall was talking to me and and he was like, We need him. I was like, You need me too. He could have broke my neck. And then Brandon was like, And I was like, Brandon, do you wanna talk or you wanna fight? And then he was like, I'm a six-time pro bowler. Then I said, Brandon, six-time pro bowlers could get knocked out too the scrap landed martellus a six-day suspension
0: (laughs) six days (laughs) for like yeah nearly killing their their first prospect and then threatening to punch (laughs) six-time pro bowl like it's so it's amazing it's one of the least likable things i've ever heard
1: oh that's insane at least they were all teammates oh wait yeah and then uh martellus bennett is like an all pro isn't he Oh yeah, no! Nope. Right. No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not the caliber of either of those players. He's picking fights with.
0: That's good. Right. It's like, uh, yeah, there was some story that Olin Krutz like picked a fight with Drew Brees when he went to the Saints. When he Olin Krutz is like forty years old, and it's like, oh no, Olin! Like, no, the pecking order, buddy. God. But yeah. So yeah, he's. If there's anyone there's no one who should ever uh pick a fight with those two players, but um like a mid tier free agent in the twilight of his career being like, I'm gonna I'm gonna show people his boss, I'm gonna ruin the entire team. It's like, no, Martellus, please don't do that. Such a bad move. Oh my god. That's so great. you're seeing Shaheen's Same.
1: on that track. Way to go,
0: Adam. Yeah. Don't you miss him? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So that was the Bear Weather fans' uh, game awards. So now let's go to the position battle. All right. Uh, what do you want to start with? We got right receivers. We got running backs. We got QB. What are you feeling?
1: Uh, let's start with QBs. Okay. Because I feel like we talked oh, no. about it a little bit already.
0: Yeah. And you said you felt like Andy Dalton played like fine for. Yeah, like, I'll say, like,
1: honestly, I didn't think he played poorly. I thought they both played well. I I would have a tough time calling it one or the other in that game in particular. Um, I want to say it was uh, Justin Fields had the lower completion percentage, but like I said, I I was fine with a lot of his incomplete passes. I don't have issues with it. But just like Dalton had a lot of checkdowns, I felt like his guys weren't open. So when he's checking down, that's, again, the good read and and his one pick like his biggest blemish i it's hard to hang it on him when the guy goes down and um just like in route uh so yeah i thought he hung tough i mean clearly mobility is not the same so we've talked about that like if if the pocket's going to break down what's going on because he did scramble a little bit and threw on the run a little bit and he just does not look as comfortable throwing on the run or moving but that's because Justin Fields is among the best athletes on the field and he happens to be quarterback. And that's a, that's yeah. an unfair, uh, I mean, while it, it is something to compare, it's not that you can't be a good quarterback, uh, if you can't do that. Cause like, I feel like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady are some of the least mobile people of all time. And I think most people would agree <laughs> that those two quarterbacks are probably one in one a all time. So like, certainly not mobile uh at least in their later parts of their career but even in their primes I don't think they were ever considered mobile so uh
0: yeah and we talked about how you know Patrick Mahomes' 2018 season had those uh 5,000 yards 50 touchdowns and the only, only other player to do that was Peyton Manning who I have to assume was doing it having taken like if he had a A pedometer on, like a Fitbit, he probably walked a total of like 400 yards that season. Uh, Correct. Like, you're just going to stand back. Yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Completely agree. And that was just going sideline to the field and then the 80 yards at a time because he wasn't moving.
0: (laughs) No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love someday, I don't know if we have time today, but I would love someday to break down uh, Bears coaching great Adam Gase and talk about how he somehow got a career by being the play caller for Peyton Manning, the man who calls the uh, place is known ex- yeah <laughs> who calls his own plays Like that is what he is known for. <laughs> and uh somehow just standing next to Peyton Manning on the sideline while he does his job was enough for uh Adam Gase to get like six head coaching jobs. Yeah. Uh, well, I think he's still in the NFL. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah. Hey man, he was great when Peyton Manning was his quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> that's all it takes it's it's so un- amazing it's all it takes <laughs> yep but uh yeah i agree it's an unfair metric in some ways it's unfair because it's like yeah nobody is as good at throwing on the run um as justin fields but also it's like is it is it unfair because they are competing for the same job? So, well, like, yeah, I, I did. You know, I said like, that, but then it's like,
1: but yeah. he is
0: better at that.
1: I just, I just meant like it, it. It doesn't make Dalton a bad player or a bad NFL quarterback because he's not on Justin Fields' level of mobility. Um, yeah. Like I said, I thought he played pretty well. Um, I, you know, I, I meant to say this before, but when we talked about the comparison when it was Trubisky outshining Glennon, the one thing I will say is. Glennon is not Dalton. Dalton is better than Glennon. So, uh, like to say, like oh, Trubisky was better than Glennon. Uh, okay, like fine. That it doesn't. That's not saying that much. Um, <laughs>
0: right. What a I think bar. Dalton
1: is a yeah is a much more established. Like I feel like people are talking about him like he can't do anything, and it's like I mean his career in Cincinnati is pretty darn good all things considered, and then. Even when he took over in Dallas, like by the time he got the hang of things, he was a very serviceable starting NFL quarterback, not just like a, man, he's really terrible. Like I feel like he's closer right. to the middle of the NFL than the bottom, if we're being honest, for quarterbacks. like Somewhere in the 15 to 20 range, not like 30, which is what I feel like yeah. we've had for a while.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. A lot of the beat writers like Kevin Fishbane have said that Uh, Andy Dalton is the best quarterback they've seen at least since Jay Cutler, if not their entire career. It's like a lot of these guys like, yeah, like Dalton looks good in camp. And uh, I I totally agree. His career has been solid. There's a reason that we have him. But um, it's not like I totally agree. He's not a Mike Lennon. He's not. Speaking of athletic quarterbacks, like, dear Lord, Mike (laughs) Lennon. I... I mean, my God, <laughs> it's it's so crazy. Um, I almost I put on uh, our website uh, bareweatherfans.com, dot com for those of you who are uh, who are into it. Um, <laughs> the twenty seventeen preseason game of week two had uh, Mike Glennon throwing to Kendall Wright, um, and neither of them are even. Kendall Wright is out of the league. Mike Glennon, I think, is in a, a jungle somewhere eating the finest leaves off the <laughs> tallest branches. Um, yeah, and like. There's this one play where he just—he's so slow. He gets the ball and like his three-step drop takes like five minutes, and the entire pocket's closing around him. It's like watching um like a Lincoln Log Tower slowly fall. And he goes to throw it and t- totally misreads it, throws it to receiver who shouldn't be on the field anyway, and gets immediately picked off. And then he has to try and run out um, Tyron Matthews. Like Mike Glennon's like it's time for me to <laughs> chase down a hero. Tyron Matthews. And it's like the saddest thing. I felt bad for him. Like, it's the saddest thing I've ever seen on an NFL field. And it was just like that was what we were trying to get ourselves to to believe was our starting quarterback that year. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's all I was getting at was that, you know, Trubisky outshining that was maybe he could be a starting caliber quarterback. Uh, (laughs) Because Glennon is not. And I think Dalton is. So, like, Justin does have a higher bar to clear.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Do you mind if we uh, talk a little bit about the O-line? Some no, more? let's do it. So, what I wanted to talk to you about with the O-line, because I totally agree that, like, Dalton has had a solid career. He is maybe closer to a mid-tier quarterback than some fans want to give him credit for, because we're all excited to see Justin Fields out there, and I totally get that. Um, I will say, you mentioned last week how important offensive line play is. And it's like, in some ways, it is the separator between... Like, you have a couple of like quarterbacks who are just totally elite who are getting the playoffs free cards. Like, oh, you have you know Aaron Rodgers. Okay, you are going to have a shot at the playoffs every year. Um, and like Drew Brees in his, when he was still in the league. And then for the rest of us, it's like, no, like a lot of it just has to do with having an offensive line who can buy you time and having the QB who can accurate make good decisions and so you see things like uh the miami dolphins who were like oh we suck like time to ship off our quarterback and then they tank get rid of everybody draft a quarterback who sucks and meanwhile the quarterback that shipped off like went to the playoffs that year it's like oh yeah it turns out he if you have a supporting cast like he's fine you know like, like Tannehill does not look that bad in tennessee No, I don't Uh, think so. Same thing.
1: Like, I feel like he looks like a mid tier, maybe even slightly above that NFL quarterback. Like he looks like he's like about in the ten to fifteen range. Like that's pretty Mm -hmm. darn good. You're the ten to fifteenth best quarterback in the entire world. That is a pretty darn good (laughs) quarterback that you're just gonna ship off.
0: And I think there's a couple of reasons around that. One of them is of course the classic like Uh, the quarterback is always going to get way too much blame and way too much credit for whatever happens it's always how it's going to be and also if you are in the organization or you're a fan um, you are invested in that team and so you don't want to hear like look the reason you suck is because the whole team is garbage and you have to get rid of all of them because that's like a tough thing to hear it's easier to be like no I think like I think Kendall Wright could be something with the right QB so let's and meanwhile (laughs) he's like out of the CFL uh, three years later Yeah, but um so I wanted to talk about the offensive line that Dalton played in, uh, p- played with. So he... Uh, this is spoilers, but um, can you guess who the first QB not drafted, in the se- and not drafted in the first round who started his entire rookie season was?
1: Sorry, what was that question? The first?
0: Um, in the, the NFL, um, the first QB who was not drafted in the first round, but did start every game of his rookie season...
1: Mm, is
0: that Andy Dalton? I'm putting you-
1: <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot
0: here. Um, yeah. But, yes, yeah, so Andy Dalton has that um, dubious accolade to him. But he did go to the playoffs five consecutive years from his rookie year. Um, and you kind of look at that. And he didn't play bad. Um, it, you know, he's he's fine. He's like you said, he's a middle-tier quarterback. Uh, what I thought was interesting is I went on Pro Football Focus, looked up there. Um, kind of advanced stats for offensive uh, line play and pass blocking. And in all five of those years, the Bengals' offensive line uh, was a top unit. It was, um let's see, Dalton's rookie year was 2011. It was fifth overall in pass blocking. 2012 was second. It was, uh let's see, 2013 was first. Uh, 2014 through 15 was sixth. Like, it was top-tier pass blocking that entire time. Yeah, and so that's kind of why they did it or why they went to the playoffs and so it's easy to say you know we need to put in this quarterback this quarterback but like sustained success came from that and for that's sure something that yeah we kind of discredit a little bit uh, uh in that same time frame <laughs> sorry i keep interrupting you what were you gonna say no no you're good you're good you're good go ahead oh cool so while i was gonna say, yeah in that same time frame uh 2011 was dalton's uh rookie season the basically the Bengals' offensive line was top five the entire uh, time frame. Uh, the Bears were the flat-out worst in 2011. Uh, they were the third worst in 2012, <laughs> and they were uh, 29th overall in 2013. So they slowly kind of got not embarrassing um, by, like, 2015.
1: 29th is embarrassing. <laughs> right. yeah, oh, sorry. You, you got there. You got there. Okay, so what were they in
0: 2015? Um... You know what? I stopped at 2014 because so I was getting so frustrated. Oh, okay, what was yeah, what know. was 2014?
1: <laughs> what did they get up to? Was that 29th?
0: You know, we're looking this up right now. <laughs> Let's find out 2015 PFF O line rankings. Uh, this is good content, wise Google stuff. Yeah, it, um, yeah. I'll say
1: while that's <laughs> while that's coming up, what do we think? Um, what do we think the Pro Football Focus ranking for the Bears O line will be in the 2021 2022 season with the O line we got coming right now? Where do you think they will end the year?
0: So this is the inner Kool-Aid drinker in me. They do have James Daniels and Cody White here. And again, asterisk time. Uh, if healthy, those are two legitimate studs at offensive line. I truly believe that. Uh, and maybe I'm crazy. So Sam Mustafer at center was okay last year. So I think the interior line could be about average, um, which is very faint praise that in my wildest dreams I could see it being not bad, but I really could. Uh, And then the tackles are only a mess, and we're only going to run inside zone, and that's just how it's going to be. So I could see them getting up to 16th overall, uh, but they're probably not going to get up above 25th overall.
1: Okay, yeah, I think that's optimistic. I would say my gut says thirty. Oh,
0: okay, uh, that is not optimistic, but you're probably right. Uh, so, for posterity's sake, uh, yeah, that actually, 2015- that was my
1: optimistic answer. There's 30. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how good I think this O line is right now. Um, I mean, I'm accounting for injuries and stuff, but yeah, maybe not peak performance, but yeah.
0: Okay, well, uh, for that's incredible. For posterity's sake, the 2015 PFF offensive line rankings had the Bears at 16th overall. 16th. So okay, they got yeah. up to
1: average ish. Yeah. Yeah. Or that's so over the
0: course. Yeah, yeah. So over the course of six years, it only took them six years to go from uh, league worst to average. Okay.
1: So in six years we could have an average O line is what you're telling me because I, I, I'm leaning we're we're closer to league worst right now I'm so scared.
0: Yeah, the the Bears' offensive line is like uh, locusts. They just uh, hibernate and then every six or seven years they reemerge.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I uh, I hope that some of those uh, you know guys get healthy and things work out, and I really do think it's such a critical part. Um, And I do, like we've talked about this, like I think Fields can actually handle the pressure a little bit better than Dalton in terms of escaping pressure. But like we saw in the Week 2 game, I don't want him to have to always escape pressure and miss it every once in a a while and get blown up. Um, I think Dalton will be able to distinguish coverages a little bit better and put people in the right places a little bit better just based on having the reps.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I I agree. Um, We'll see. No matter what, it's just going to be exciting to see someone of his athleticism on the field. So this last preseason game will be really exciting. Um, And with that, uh, yeah, fields will be fun. And I think we can move on to running backs. We talked a little bit about David Montgomery, uh, how he'd worked on his running form over the offseason to gain in top speed and uh he'd been using a local sprinting coach Chris Corfist and a lot of the beat writers had said that he looked noticeably faster in camp just from the eye test
1: Yep that's what I've been hearing
0: too Cool and if I remember correctly you'd said that you have a uh story to share with the meatball side of the sprint coaching is that do I have that right
1: Oh yeah, yeah, no, good 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 call there. I did forget about it until that reminder. But um yeah, so in terms of like David Montgomery and like the work he did with Chris Corfist, um, you know, really what they worked on was just his sprint mechanics. You know, he's obviously an incredible athlete. All these guys are, even when we critique them and say they're not, they're a million times the athlete that we are, right? And I hope everybody understands that, that we understand that. But, um, you know, we're critiquing them against other people that are the best in the world, but, uh, he's an incredible athlete and he's so strong and powerful. Um, and just like with all football players, right. He's like covering to protect the ball, right. He does a lot of running with like high and tight football, not like true sprint mechanics. And so, um, I think what ended up happening and I don't know for sure. I wasn't in the rooms, but you know, from what I saw on the articles and stuff, Chris Corfus was saying that he um, had developed this habit where he would drive into the ground really hard, right? Like really driving his legs and push, but it would push his hips backwards. And so he wouldn't be tall. And so to be fast in sprinting, you have to be tall. And that's what I was saying. Like As a running back, I feel like you train bad sprint mechanics because normally they're trying to hide behind linemen, get low, really drive and push, right? And protect the ball. And none of that is being tall good sprint mechanics are you're completely stacked. So your shoulders are above your hips, your hips above your knees, so on and so forth. And because he wasn't in those optimal positions, he was pushing as hard as he could, but it was inefficiently translating into speed. And so all they really worked on was uh, they kind of did some things to overspeed his running and let his body kind of retrain how to sprint. Um, And it wasn't like with some athletes, it's a matter of muscular weakness. You know, they have deficiencies. This muscle's too weak, so they compensate. I don't think with David Montgomery it was anything like that, and I don't know this for sure, but my guess is that um, basically they had to retrain the neural pathways of the brain saying, this needs to fire, and this needs to fire, and these muscles need to fire in this order to make running work better. And they did just a few sessions on retraining, like basically the programming of running to have better running posture. Because he's strong enough, it just needed to work those muscles the right way. Um, So uh, we call that like training the central nervous system as opposed to the muscles. So he didn't need muscular development. He needed central nervous system development to change how his brain was telling the muscles to work so that he could be faster. He still does all those football things, but in the open field and everything else, he needs to be, he needs to have better sprint mechanics, which he has gotten by, you know, getting his hips underneath himself and stuff like that. Um, and then it's funny because the, the meatball analogy that I was thinking of was exactly related to this. So when they're, you know, when they're working on David Montgomery to be the fastest version of himself, which I think we can all agree like that's going to make him the best running back he can be is when he's fast as hell, right? And the way they did that is they trained him at absolutely top speed. So much so that they actually hooked him up to a machine to make him run even faster than he's capable of running, so that his body would have to be in like perfect mechanics. So they literally like tie something to his waist and pull him faster, so that he's going like yeah he like like he overspeeds sprints to train like you have to have good mechanics or you're gonna go down. And um, like it's just so funny because as a track coach, by training the sprinters. Like I said about like, you know, and I'm not, I'm not that high level coach, but we, we keep it simple. And when when we train sprinters, it's, it's pretty simple. We want you to run fast. Well, how do you run fast? You get better at running fast by running fast. It sounds so simple and obvious. But when you run slowly, you train your body how to run slowly. When you run absolutely all at full speed, that's how you get faster. And so it's so funny when I see those old school football coaches, maybe at certain schools that I, you know, see sometimes like my school, they don't do it as ba- as much anymore, but they still do some of it. All right, everybody line up on the sidelines down and back until I get tired, down and back until I get tired. <laughs> and they just go right. down across the field and back. And all they're doing is jogging, right? They're going so slow. And I, I like want to ask the football coach, hey, on what? Play that you run. Have you ever seen a player move that speed? And the answer is never. So why are you working on jogging? Cause do you want any of your football players to jog ever? Like on what play are they jogging around? And does that need to be trained? Like let's work on being faster. Is is there not a football player that's not better when they're faster? Like you look at all these guys at the high level. They're they're good because they're lightning. They're so fast, and that's because they train being fast. But in so many programs, it's like we're running till we throw up, and we're and it's just such trash training.
0: Yeah, I, hundred percent. I love the idea of like, is there any sport that is less equipped for jogging than football? It's literally like we'll run a four-second play, and then we all stand there and catch our breath, and then we do Absolutely. it again. It's like the most anaerobic sport in existence.
1: Yes, sprint stop, sprint,
0: and then take a break. Time out. We need more time. <laughs> Right, they oh have TV God. timeouts.
1: Yeah, you can't play on both offense and defense. 40-second breaks between four-second spurts is not enough. You need a 15-minute break in between as well. It's outrageous. Right. It's outrageous.
0: Yeah, that's that's so funny to me. I totally agree. Um, All right, so we're talking a little bit about the running backs. Um, It seems like Tar- Tariq Cohen is not going to play this season or if he does it's going to be late in the season. He doesn't seem anywhere close to the ready so That's very impressive. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think he's awesome. He's like so fun explosive to watch as a player and he's just a fun dude as a person. So I hope I hope he's okay, man. I don't know. Uh that's a bummer, but yeah, we'll we'll see. Dave Montgomery if he's quick, that will definitely help the running back room.
1: Yeah, if he's good like, if he's if he is as fast as everyone's saying he is and he's got everything else he had going for him, I feel pretty good about the running back position. I don't think there's actually too much running back position battle if Tariq Cohen's not feeling, you know, his best. It's David Montgomery, so.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, the one... So there's, like, two issues that were worth maybe worrying about, and one of them is special teams and one of them is the defensive tackling um i don't really know so special teams the big uh departure this offseason was sherrick mcmanus he was the longest tenured bear he retired this off season and uh left kind of a cryptic tweet that was maybe just him being goofy or maybe it was him throwing shade at the uh coaches uh he's like he tweeted at kyle long being like hey uh, I have it here. Uh, since day one, I always, pre- you always appreciated what I brought to the team. I was like a utility belt in Chicago, um, known by a few, but I took pride in my craft. I'll miss my teammates, fans, staff, and most coaches. Uh, emphasis mine. Uh, the the one <laughs> that's, uh, who valued what I brought to Chicago. It's been real. that was kind of funny I don't I don't really know what to make of Chris Tabor the uh, special teams coach other than to remark that our special teams have been bad for the entire tenure
1: yeah no they they looked bad in week two as well And I mean both did defensive tackling and special teams looked atrocious in week two
0: (sighs) yeah that was the big concern I know it's early in the season and the uh full contact practices aren't what they used to be uh speaking of old meatball football takes where it's like these kids they get they don't get to have full padded practices and there's no contact but i do think like that does affect your tackling form um i do so i feel like you have to wait yeah a couple weeks in to see like i think it'll be a problem that would be great
1: i'm not ready to be worried about the defense i think they'll be okay Fair. (laughs) although there was one tackle that i forgot to mention it was actually my favorite play of the entire game preseason game and it was um i want to say his name is caleb johnson number 92 on special teams the one where he ran down and he was getting blocked and he just trucks his block into the return man and he gets tackled
0: and I was like
1: that, that play was so incredible like he just he just took out two guys
0: <laughs> that's so awesome yeah there was one dude uh, it was number 99 who I always forget who that is is that Travis Gibson um, it was some depth linebacker who was on kick returns um, trying to block so like we had the guy back caught the punt or kick or whatever and uh, I saw, yeah, it looks like it's Travis Gibson, um, just, like, think that he's in pass-protect mode. He just pops up, keeps his arms up in good blocking posture, and then stands there. <laughs> I'm like, no, this is this is a kick return. <laughs> and so then the poor kick returner's behind him being like, uh, <laughs> just kind of plows into <laughs> the back of him. It was great. I've I've never seen such good pass-protecting form ever, let alone in a special teams kick return. It's fantastic <laughs> so that was a good time um, yeah I agree it's not worth worrying about but we'll see how that goes um, yeah I'm still so I'm a little bit concerned not concerned I'm disappointed uh, my guy Kendall Vildor I love him so much and he did not play well this past week but I still think he's going to be the next Bears great nickel corner um, so we'll see I don't know
1: I'll give it to you. I I don't know enough. So I'll defer to
0: you there for sure. We'll see, man. Um, Yeah, with Kyle Fuller gone, I know we talked about it a little bit, but um, it'll be interesting to see what our secondary is. And I know, like, Trubisky trashed our secondary, but we, again, were playing cover four, so the middle of the field was wide open, and um, our linebackers weren't there. So it was basically like we served the middle of the field on the plate, like, please take this from us, Um, which they did. Because we asked him to. Um yep. I don't know. Do you... One thing that is confusing to me, as long as we're kind of on special teams, we have two kickers right now. Uh, and I'm pretty confident we're not going to have two kickers come 53-man roster regular season. Uh, I agree with you. Can you yeah. think of... <laughs> okay, can you think of a single reason why we would keep a second kicker?
1: I. You know, the only... I I, I have thought of some. But I uh, you know, you have to have a lot of confidence in your other positions and no need of like injury type replacement, which I do not think we qualify for. <laughs> but um I do think there is a tiny bit of value in having like if you can think of like the Robbie Gould of the past, like the, you know, automatic guy from forty and in, but maybe his weakness is he can't he can't bomb it as compared to uh the guy who is um the uh like the like bomb of a leg like there is something to having you know a, a just an absolute huge leg and like you know it is almost like two different positions in my mind of like you know can you kick a 58 yard field goal um that that's something that is valuable to a team i think um but if the other guy if that guy who has a huge leg isn't the better precision kicker that you know you probably can't keep him so
0: yeah i totally agree actually that reminds me um preseason week two of bears history uh in 20 2006 devin hester's rookie season uh rashid davis had just come out of the arena football league afl he'd been on there for like five years this threw him on the bears and his first play against the broncos like basically in all of the nfl uh, the Broncos attempted a 61-yard kick, yeah. which is like, come on, man. Like, You're not going to make a 61-yard kick. And in a surprise to uh, literally no one but the coaches, he did not make that kick. And Rashid Davis caught in the end zone and returned it for like a 100-yard touchdown. Um, he yeah, was like his first play in all of NFL. And he immediately yep. lost that return job to Devin Hester, but he did have that one play. Well, that's awesome. But yeah, it's to your point, uh there was a while there where we had a Pat O'Donnell doing the kickoffs because our kicker at the time didn't have enough leg to get it into a touchback situation.
1: Well that's what I was gonna say too, is yeah, like I mean, honestly, it can go yeah, it can be as extreme as like one of the guys is super accurate, but um if you can't get your uh kickoffs into the end zone you're starting to create, like, you know, they can scheme for you. Like, they're getting a head start on all those. Like, so there, there is something. Obviously, the ideal player can bomb long kicks and stuff and be accurate, but there's only so many of those. And, you know, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world because I'm saying, like, I think there is a, a real, you know, application for the second player. Um, but it takes having the luxury of, you know uh we're we're set in these other places, and I feel like we need feel like we need guys to be covering for so many different o line positions or like you know other guys like that too,
0: yeah, I don't know, we'll see that's what's so terrifying is you have to whittle this giant group of people down to a fifty three man roster and still account for an entire season's worth of depth uh it's crazy, yeah. Uh, one last thing I wanted to address with the preseason week two games was, uh, I watched the 2018 game, which was Nagy's first season as a head coach, uh, compared to this most recent preseason week two game. And, uh, the play design was night and day different. Like the Nagy's first season, there was all this pre-snap motion, there was lots of play action, there was, uh moving the pockets, bootlegs, uh, jet sweeps, all this stuff that was really cool. and was complicated, but it was um, really cool. And that coincided with the Bears offense under him being the highest ever was. Uh, the first half of 2018 was the best ever was, which was league average. And it has steadily declined ever since. And so I wonder, has he kind of lost it as far as play design? Or is he just he knows what he wants to do in the regular season, wants to hide stuff now and doesn't need to test anything?
1: Yeah, I uh I don't I can't say that I, you know, like I didn't just watch those two back to back, but um I it's got to be, I think that. You know, I got to believe that there's some level of confidence that he has, like you know, in his first season he's sitting there going like you know, this is my this is my time to show what I can do and he just every time laid out what he had. And now he has the experience to say I know what I can and what I can't do and this is the preseason um, I don't need to show every trick that I'm gonna throw out there in the preseason um, I'll say like uh, I think I told you my uh, my buddy's nephew uh plays in the league which is crazy and I can't believe like I and that uh, it's not even like he's related to me and I feel like it's so closely related but um he, in a preseason game a couple years ago when he was on the Bengals, called a fake punt. So he was the, like, captain of the special teams. And so he was the, is it called the up-back? So he's, like, the guy that was, like, um, on the punt, like, one of the two guys that's, like, right next to, like, it snap right between you, you know, and then, like, you block if anyone gets through. And he called, he called a, uh, like, audible direct snap to him And then they ran like a fake punt and people like, why would you show that in the preseason? And his answer was spectacular. He was like, I'm told to whenever there's not enough guys over here to block us to call it. Like, it's not, that's not a trick play. That's a, they had four guys over here and we had five blockers. So, uh, there's not a trick play about that. That's a, like, I'm told to make this read. I made the read like there wasn't enough dudes over here, so he directly snapped it to me, and he he had like a forty yard gain gain on it. It was like not even close.
0: Oh, damn. He didn't have to
1: break any tackles or anything. Like it was a safe play because he just looked and said like, "Hey, we're all blocked up and nobody's over here." You know what I mean? Like that's not showing a hand, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like if a team goes in and doesn't know that if you don't block everybody, they can just run on you. Like they're not doing their job.
0: <laughs> yeah, I uh <laughs> I agree. Man, that must be like the craziest feeling in the world to be in this giant stadium and just be like, hey guys, fake punt. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he was like a sophomore
1: at the time. Could you imagine you're like on your rookie contract and maybe he was a third year guy, but like you're pretty new and you're in there and you're like trying to like, you know, earn your spot type of thing. Like you're, he was a seventh round pick. Like you're a guy who could potentially get cut and you're like, fake punt to me. Let's go. So crazy. I don't think I'd ever have the
0: stones. (laughs) Right. That's why I maintain that being drafted as an NFL QB is the closest thing we have to like real life Harry Potter, where you just have like this massive destiny thrust upon you. And they're like, okay, uh, all these people over here hate you, and all these people over here are obsessed with you, even knowing none (laughs) of them knew you existed yesterday. And you just have this giant burden, like on your shoulders, and a pile of gold, also. Like we we just throw so much on these kids who just yeah. started drinking. The fact that it's insane. The fact that more of them don't flame out immediately or just retire as soon as they get their first uh, guarantee in their contract, which is what I would do, is crazy.
1: Why? Just because you don't want to get like uh, that uh, brain damage that it seems like every single player that has sustained NFL career ends up getting.
0: Yeah, well, like, yeah. So if you if you look at Kyle Long uh, again, to your point that like we understand that even a shitty NFL player is the most athletic, toughest human being you'll ever meet. Like we're just making jokes here, you know. And like Kyle Long's scouting report, even as a high schooler, uh, his report is like, yeah, he is a nationally ranked football player, and he's also like a nationally ranked pitcher. Uh, and he's also like 17 years old, but six foot six and 350 pounds, and it, uh, it's just—it's uh, not fair. Uh, so seeing like what someone yeah, how, that how, superhuman—how do people get to do that? It's unfair. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's it's dumb. Seeing someone that superhuman and what the NFL did to the, his body, I'm like, nah, I would last like three seconds, four.
1: Oh, that hit Justin Fields took, I would actually be dead. Like, there's no way I survived that <laughs> hits. Like, my head comes off my body. Oh, my God. And then that's my... That's it. That's it for me. R- right. He got up. He, like, it did, like, it was fine. It doesn't make sense to me. No. A, it, an absolute different animal.
0: He's. It's not possible. He released an Instagram live video later that day with a buddy, just, like, hanging out, driving around. And he's like, hey, man, welcome to the NFL. And he's, like, laughing about it. Like, dude, you should be dead. Are you serious? Yeah. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh Yeah, I was gonna go through Kyle Long's scouting report as a baseball player, but I think we should we're getting off track, we should probably just move on. So continuing on the special teams battle here, uh both Sherrick McManus and Cordero Patterson um both a part of this offseason. Yeah, I think so.
1: Cause that's yeah, that's a pretty big position for that, which is tough. But hopefully, we can get other guys that are lightning fast to fill that void.
0: That'd be great. Yeah, we'll see.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think that's it. I think uh, I think we, you know, talked some good stuff today.
0: Cool. All right. Well, there's. It's weird not to have four preseason games. We just have that one more in football. Real footballs in just a couple of weeks. But uh, that's how it is. So, Ed O'Brien, do you have anything to say? Our coach, you're really stupid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I like how we queued him up. $8.6 million well spent.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's, um, that's up there with Google. As far as a generational changing technology... Um, like, who in their home won't have uh, Edo Bradabot? I think everyone will. Great. Well, thanks, man. Sounds like we're ready to wrap it up. So. All right. Bear with the fans band. Count us in. Going deep. Okay. So let's look ahead on the Bears' schedule. We have one final preseason game. And I think we are going to play it. Uh, what do you think is going to happen?
1: Um, who is their final preseason game? I forget. Who's it against?
0: <sighs> I was trying to covertly Google that while I asked you that question. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, yes, I, I got it. Hold on. Um, so we have the Titans. <laughs> the um, Titans. Oh, that's right. Okay. I kinda didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Well, you know. I, I'm so bad at all preseason compared to the regular season just because my brain goes to the starters and they don't all play it mm-hmm. It is especially the case for game threes because it's just it's a final tryout for all those guys, right? I mean, yeah, in my mind, I'm picturing these you know teams, Titans versus bears, as they would be like say week one, as opposed to final preseason game. And uh, I think the Bears would have a tall order. With the guys playing for their spots, I I really don't know. I think I I like the Bears because I feel like the Bears get to have a guy like Justin Fields go out there and play against reserves. And I'm going to have to believe that since it seems like basically no starters are playing in this game, either side of the ball, or sorry, either team on either side of the ball, Justin Fields is going to probably be the the best athlete, best player on either offense or defense. So um, yeah, I think, I think he'll look pretty good. Um, and, And I'll say that doesn't mean that we're automatically going to win. That doesn't mean that the stat line is going to be incredible because I thought he looked pretty good with a pretty poor stat line in the last game. But, but I think the bears have a good chance. So if I had to choose, I would say if it was a week one matchup real game, Tennessee wins, but I think this third preseason game, I think Bears win.
0: Okay, I'll take that. Yeah, I agree that if especially if they don't play the starting offensive line, that's like what's what are we doing here? Um mm-hmm. and I definitely have a few complaints. I mean it's preseason, who cares? But it is weird that the one of the reasons you're starting Andy Dalton is so that he can, according to Matt Nagy, it's so that he can get reps with the ones. But then most of your starters aren't playing, so it's like, all right, well, how much rhythm is he going to? How much timing is going to pick up with uh, not Allen Robinson? Um, so it's like that—that's like a little weird. And so seeing Justin Fields play with somebody who probably won't make the team and behind an offensive line that um, is like, you know, is not an NFL caliber one. It's like just people who have never played their positions being thrown together in preseason is like, Correct. oh man. But yeah. I, I agree that, like, Justin Field is incredible. He's so athletic and so talented. He will be the best person on the field. Uh, I just what I want to see what we'll be looking for out of him is just, like, showing the entire toolkit again. Like, is he going through reads? Is he doing checkdowns? Is he uh, throwing with pace and accuracy and timing to all levels of the field? Is he, um, yeah, like you said earlier, like identifying man and then using that to go run when he has the opportunity? Stuff like that is what... I think is proof that like no he this isn't a Patrick uh, Mahomes situation where you thought he wasn't ready. Um, this is someone who uh, not that he will be as good as him, but that if he's already as polished as he needs to be to play in the NFL, so that's what I want to see.
1: I I would love to see that. Uh, that, that that's what I'm looking for as well. Um, cool, cool. it is funny like just because I'm so much more into his development, just because he's the quarterback and. The defense is the defense, and they're just, for the most part, the guys aren't going to be playing, right? But, like, it's weird, because, like, a guy who could be a cornerstone of this team, maybe the most important player on the team individually is playing in this preseason game, and that's Justin Fields, right? Like, we could be six weeks from now going, he's the starting quarterback on our pretty good team. that That's wildly important, and he's playing in this game. And to your point, most of the not most, but a lot of the other guys getting minutes are either cut or practice squad. So it's, there's just so many guys that it's like you're just really not interested in watching. But Justin Fields will be out there and I'll be watching him closely.
0: Yeah, he would be must see TV even if it wasn't the future of the Bears just because he's such an exciting player. But then knowing like, oh my God, this dude who is the best athlete on the field, who's doing all this stuff, is also like, this is our guy. Like it's so surreal, it's so fun. Mm hmm. I don't know it's super cool I'm like I try not to get carried away but I just like there are days where I just look at him and I'm like how did you how did we get you how did you fall to us this is madness this has never happened
1: it's so awesome but I think it was you that pointed out maybe it wasn't but fan is for fanatic so we're so that's short for fanatic we're supposed to be this hyped about Justin Fields he (laughs) is why we are bear fanatics
0: so hell yeah uh might I say bare weather fans? Um, You're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just yeah, it'll be cool, man. If you can do a couple more um rushing touchdowns, i dig that. if you do some more passing touchdowns. whatever he quarter, wants. Quarter, no to do. touchdowns. <laughs> Wait, what was that uh at a branovich bot? What do you got for us? Quarter,
1: no touchdowns. Second quarter, no touchdowns, third quarter no touchdowns one more time fourth quarter no touchdowns you gotta be kidding
0: me that's great thanks Ed I appreciate that a lot (laughs) oh my god he's awesome
1: (laughs) he's definitely the guy that's telling players again run across the field again I don't care how slow (laughs) you move do it again I don't care that this actually trains you to be a slower (laughs) athlete do it again (laughs)
0: <laughs> it was so great too because at the uh, the Bears like 100th anniversary, or, you know, Bears season of 100 years, whatever. They had like that giant um, like press junket slash like public event where they showed like the Bears' history and honored the players because that was like 2019 season. So they just come out of the 2018 season. They're really excited, and uh, they had like Akeem Hicks, like one of the best defensive tackles like in the game. And then right next to him, they had another Bears legend, this dude, Ed Obradovich, talking to Akeem Hicks about how he should play. And it was just the funniest thing in the world to me. You gotta be tough, Akeem. And this dude, like, played in the 40s, like, oh, no, sir. Like, please stop oh talking.
1: God. Akeem Hicks could
0: eat you. He could eat you. He could <laughs> kill you. you- <laughs> Um, Fun trivia fact So like most NFL teams And Bob I know you know this But for our listeners Most NFL teams um, The heaviest person on the team Is the person whose job it is to not be moved So you have an offensive lineman Who is the heaviest person on the field Because like your job is to You know to just not be moved um, Somehow Akeem Hicks is the heaviest person On the entire Bears roster By like a lot No way shut He's so up so enormous <laughs> It's so stupid uh, he just shouldn 't be in so many different directions, and he 's just great
1: so does that, is that that's that speaks two things that says "Wow, he is a force as a nose tackle, but it also reiterates our offensive line issues <laughs> because those guys <laughs> are not the right size
0: <laughs> <sighs> yep, I guess uh one thing I wanted to wrap up on um before we head out, was uh, this Larry Fedora interview. Uh, Larry was the head coach for North Carolina Tar Heels when um, Mitch Trubisky was playing with them. And they're asking him about Mitch Trubisky as a prospect. And uh, people kind of got mad at this interview when it happened because they saw it as proof of Mitch being mediocre. But I actually kind of like what he said, so... Um, He says, there's obviously more pressure playing for your home down team, um, but I don't think pressure is something that's going to bother him being Mitch, says Fedora. Um, He understands that. He's been in those situations before. That's usually when he's at his best. But to me, it doesn't matter who he plays for, as long as they surround him with good people, and that means he's going to have an offensive line, and he's going to be able to to run the football, or he can't succeed at that level. And uh, this was taken out of context by meatball fans on radios, it's like... This guy needs everything going for him to be okay. But I feel like this is going into the Justin Fields era. This is something that I want to keep in mind. It's like we talked about Andy Dalton, we talked about everybody. Like, you, there's no one person that makes a football team run. And so if things don't go well, it doesn't mean that Justin Fields sucks. And, um, it's just like we need all we need it all going we need an offensive line we need a running game we need receivers we need a defense like it all needs to work and uh, i don't know what the future holds but i think it's bright
1: i i could not agree more
0: sweet sweet well uh i guess we'll wrap it up then is there anything you want to plug before we head out uh i think i am good today oh cool I'll just say for those of you who haven't gotten vaccinated, same as last time, there is a CDC uh, hotline you can call. It's toll-free. You can call anytime. You can talk with them about your concerns, questions about the covid 9 uh, vaccine. Um, it is recently FDA-approved, so there's and there's never a reason not to get it, but there's really no reason not to get it now. If you haven't, um, you'll be saving lives um for what is very minimal effort arguably the least effort you will ever put into saving a life um so that'll be cool otherwise thanks for listening go bears bear down